Yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away. Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, Ryan Treasure, VP of everything at Voice America Radio. Thank you for that introduction, Ryan. I'm so happy to be here. We have a hot topic. We have a packed house. I should say the car is packed because we're talking about the future of cars. What will you be driving or not? by 2025 and all, let's see, today is March 10th, 2021. So we're well on our way to a year that seemed so far in the distance. And now it's almost here as time goes. So let me give you a quick introduction here. I have three buzz quotes. You know, I always open with a quote. First one is from the famous movie, Thelma and Louise, 1991. Oh my goodness, how many years ago is that? 30 years, who's counting? The quote is from Thelma, Gina Davis to Louise, Susan Sarandon. You care more about that car than you do about most people. Okay, we've set that one up. Buzz number two. Here's a quote from Bobby Bolivia in Transformers, played by Bernie Mac, 2007 film, a little more recent. A driver don't pick the cars. Mm-mm. Cars pick the driver. It's a mystical bond between man and woman and machine. There, I added that one in. And I have one more quote. This is from a report at Motor One. That's the number one.com. The next few years should be exciting. We're in the midst of an electric vehicle onslaught and seeing a flood of new EV pickup trucks. We're also watching more supercar and hypercar debuts than ever before. So let's all go into that time machine and fast forward to 2025. Will you own? Will you lease by the hour, day, season, or year? Will you share, borrow, or will you be cargo in a vehicle that moves you from point A to some point B where you want to go. As the automotive industry literally shifts gears and accelerates, I love those puns, concepts like ICE, BEV, AV, and we'll have an explanation of what all those are, are grabbing headlines and they're grabbing the steering wheel as mainstream options for your future transportation, your comfort, your speed, and your safety, all equally important to us. Whether you're driving or simply along for the ride, will you want or need technology-enabled, driver-assisted, touchless online or virtual experiences? Don't you love it when you buy a washing machine that's got 5,900 choices and all you really want is wash? Thank you very much. What do we need to choose from? I have five car futurists. They didn't know that's what they were, but they are today. Tom, Madonna, I want everybody to wave when I call your name. Tom, Madonna at SAP who helped set up this episode. Thank you, Tom. Julie Freem at OESA. Julie, wave hello. Auto Shell at IGDCR, and we'll find out what that is, Otto, when I introduce you. Clint Crook at Accenture. Wave hello, Clint. Oh, you've got your background. Great. And Marco Galarza at SAP. Marco, wave hello. There you are. We're going to ask them to predict our collective automotive journey, including some of the economic and environmental impacts of the evolution. So stick around. We're going to have a lot of fun here for the future of cars. What will you be driving or not by 2025? If you can tell, in case you can't tell, I'm excited to be here. And a shout out to our engineer extraordinaire at Voice America, Aaron Keller. Thank you, Aaron. And a hello also to April Buford and Adam Slayman from OESA, who are here with Julie's posse in the background. Julie, you know you have a posse now. Let's get started. I'm going to ask each of my esteemed guests to please introduce yourself. Take about two minutes. Tell us a little bit about what you do in automotive and what brought you to automotive other than a car? How did you get involved? So Tom, Madonna, you're up first, please. I'm going to put you on speaker view. Talk, Tom. 
Morning, Bonnie, and welcome, listeners. It's been uh, it's been great. Uh, been doing a lot of these with Bonnie as of late, and it's always interesting to talk about uh, what's coming. Um, Tom and I, industry executive advisor from SAP. Long title. What does that basically mean? I'm actually one of the co-founders with uh, Bill Newman to work on the North America structure in the industry, and so that's taking customer needs and internalizing them and making sure that we're providing uh, applications and and services that uh, are aligned to the industry. What brought me to automotive? Uh, I guess it would have been about uh, 14 years old, driving uh, on uh, two uh, phone books, uh, tiptoes on the uh, on the accelerator, driving a uh, shift three on the on the on the on the column uh, pickup of my grandfather's. So uh, once I got behind the wheel the first time, it was one of those things that uh, I never wanted to give up and. Bonnie knows this. I've quoted this multiple times. She asked me a couple years back, you know, would I ever leave uh, my keys and, and, and not drive? And the answer is no. Though uh, the new technologies are coming, you know, ice is going to be out there. Uh, we're going to need uh, petroleum for, for quite a while. If you think, uh, you know, some of the 40s and 50s and 60s cars that are still being driven. So that will be out there for a while. And, uh, you know, there will be new options, but uh, I will be driving for a while. Thank you. That's why I like Tom. He and I are both going to have those keys in our pocket wherever we are in five years or more. We'll find out more. Julie Freem, you're up next. Julie, please introduce yourself to our viewers and our listeners. Julie. Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be with you today. My name is Julie Freem, and I am with the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. I'm the president and CEO of the organization. Um, I got an automotive. Um, I guess I grew up in it. Um, my father worked for Ford. I was, uh, I can remember going to launches with him and actually um, participating as a, as a kid. Um, so I, I always had something going in automotive, uh, went on and got an engineering degree and decided that that was what I wanted to do <clears throat> many years ago <clears throat> um, and have been in it ever since. So delighted to be here and, and talking with all of you today. Julie, and how did you get involved as the president of OESA? Where did that come in your career? I'm curious. Um, well, I had spent 30 years in automotive working both for OEs, um, the manufacturers, as well as suppliers. And uh, the opportunity came to work at OESA, which is a trade association for suppliers, and really um, be the voice of the supplier community and advocate on their behalf. And so with my experience, that was, uh, it was a great fit. And I've been there now for quite some time. So Wonderful. Thank mm -hmm. you, Julie. Thank you very much. Very honored to have you here. And I love working with your organization. You have your own series called Automotive Insiders with me. And that's always exciting. Meet a lot of interesting people. Otto Shell, you're up next. Otto, unmute, please. Otto, you and I haven't spoken in several years. And we reintroduced ourselves on LinkedIn recently. And I told you Tom was talking about you. And here you are on my guest list today. So Otto, Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what your IGCR is. <clears throat> yeah, first of all, uh, yeah, I'm in the automotive since more than 20 years. I'm um, in the automotive and SAP business architect. So I'm working clearly on the SAP architecture. Uh, as you all may know, uh, I have some history in Detroit, uh, being part of the General Motors family. Now I'm with Stellantis, which is the new group founded uh, between PSA, Fiat, and Chrysler. 
And it's very interesting because I lived in Turin working in a joint venture, GM, Fiat. Uh, I lived in Detroit working a little bit with Chrysler when we did the automotive shows with SAP together. So life is turning a little bit back. Uh, why I founded the Institute for Global Digital Creativity and Relevance, very simple. Uh, I think we are not fast enough. And uh, you cannot do everything from your company perspective because this is counterproductive. No? If I say that automotive is not, or mobility is not about powertrain, it's about different setups, certainly not really in, in the spot what they have at the moment by just selling cars. On the other side, I think you need also um, free environments where can, people can talk open. Talking about uh, future means how do we uh, not only work in future, but also how do we employ in future. That is why I founded this institute. And yes, Bonnie, we talked uh, around about 2016 when we did the first series about automotive, the so-called coffee talks, when we also mm -hmm. started the automotive uh, uh, events in Detroit. And uh, quite honestly, not much changed. Huh? And that is what we will talk about. And uh, we have to change anyway the environment going further. Last comment, I'm happy to see the pictures from Detroit, quite honestly. <laughs> yes. And Otto, I, I have to tell a little secret here. You used to talk about your tricked out SUV and the techno music you played in your car, which was a shock to me because I, I didn't know you very well. Uh, those are back in the days everybody would like to know. Probably we started a show for SAP called, I started a show called The Future of Cars with Game Changers. And Larry <laughs> Stoley, who was no longer with us in this lifetime, was the first sponsor. We've been through many people and Otto was one of the regular invited guests on that show yeah. so we did many episodes several a year so Otto, delighted to welcome you back thank you very thank you very much. much my pleasure clint crook you are up next i'm gonna put you on speaker view tell everybody who you are and what does automotive mean to you how'd you get here not yeah, when you to the studio go ahead no thanks sabani and, and our esteemed guest uh um julie uh, nice to meet you work with neil de coker uh in many uh, previous lives at the oesa and believe wholeheartedly in that organization so look forward to possibly working with you in the future. Tom and I have worked uh, in, the, in the past as well, um, several client success stories. Um, what I do currently, I'm, I'm Accenture, uh, so I'm a, a client account lead uh, for Accenture and a part of our Industry X um, organization, which really kind of defines really kind of success for our customers. And that's um, manufacturing, industrial customers like John Deere, and also some transformation customers like United, et cetera, you kind of get the picture. And so what we do is we work with our ecosystem partners like SAP and our partners like OESA to really kind of bring value to our customers um, through digital transformations, through um, improved customer experiences or dealer experiences if it were uh, an OE. Um, and so how do I get involved in this crazy industry that we all know and love? Um, born and raised here in Detroit, it's hard not to be a part of it. And then also, one of the things that was an accelerator for me is that my grandfather had a um, a small, um, you know, mini bike, if you will. And so he'd always wanted me not to get on the mini bike. And of course, one time I did, and um, that fueled my need for speed, so to speak. And so ever since then, I've always been a student and uh, of the automobile industry wanting to be, you know, help it succeed, um, not just here in Detroit, but also globally, because uh, we're one of the best innovators as an industry as whole uh, in the world. 
Thank you very much, Clint. That was a quote from Tom Cruise playing Maverick in Top Gun. I feel the need, the need for speed. Uh, Many of my guests quote that on some of my other shows where I ask for movie quotes. So thank you. Top of mind. Appreciate that. And now let's introduce Marco Galarza. I just met him a few minutes ago. Marco, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how did you get in automotive? What's your story? Marco, welcome. Thank you, Bonnie, and thanks so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and talking not only to you, but the rest of the panel. So I am the automotive head of industry for services at SAP. And um, I, I, I will tell you this because it will probably be interesting as we, as we speak. I am originally from Venezuela. And um, how did I get into cars? Since I was a little kid, I was fascinated by cars. So. I remember driving, and please do not do this at home with your kids, but I grew up when the cars were bench seats, and I would get on my knees, and my dad would let me drive the steering wheel. And, uh, of course, then I got older, maybe, I don't know, 12 years old, and then I had the opportunity to actually reach the pedals, and that's how I got started uh, driving. And then in the probably, I don't know, 76, 77, he had a Jeep Renegade, and uh, I learned how to drive a stick shift. So maybe like you, Bonnie and Tom, I will still have my my keys in my pocket, until I die. I might be buried with my keys in my pocket. (laughs) Very interesting. I won't talk about the coffin industry, but I know it's gotten very creative in the past. Julie looked at me like, did she really say that? I think I did, Julie. It's too late to take it back. Who knows? Well, I I just messaged Tom. I texted him here in the chat on Zoom, and I said, this is turning into a networking event. Look at the wonderful... Tom, look at what we created. You invited somebody. I invited somebody. Clint invited somebody, and here we are. And it's it's like, who's who in automotive? I'm, I'm so honored that you're all here with me today. So now let's go to the part of the show where you've each sent me a quote from a movie or a song. We'll do this very quickly. Tom Madonna sent me a quote from Batman, played by Val Kilmer in Batman Forever 1995. Can you believe how long ago that was? American superhero film. And here is the quote. It must be the car. Chicks always dig the car. Tom, talk to me. How'd you get this one? Yeah, this is one of my uh, favorite quotes, and those that know me, uh, I'm an action hero f- fan and uh, ultimately can't wait uh, for the 18th when uh, Zach gets his, uh, his cut out there. Um, it's an interesting process to actually look at, you know, how you know, most of these individuals on, on the panel grew up. And, you know, for me, you know, Friday night, Saturday night after the football game, you're in your car, you're cruising down back and forth between the Sonic and, and, and the Taco Vila, whatever it might be. And you were just not, you know, behaving, but, but you were in a car that you liked. Thank you very much, Tom. Let's go to Julie. Julie sent a quote from Nix, played by the inimitable Hugh Laurie in the movie Tomorrowland 2015, American sci-fi film. And here is the quote, every day is the opportunity for a better tomorrow. Julie, that could be a subscript for my show, Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. Julie, how'd you find this one and what does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Well, for me, um, as we start to talk about the evolution of automotive and everything that's happening, it's really, as you say, the revolution. It's, um, I think we need to be hopeful that what we're doing is right for the planet, right for us, and, and really moving forward. Um, so I think 
it, it's an exciting time and just being ready for tomorrow. I also thought here in the midst of a pandemic, we need to have kind of that hope um, as we go forward. So both of those aspects, both the what's happening in automotive and then the, the pandemic too. So that's why I chose it. Thank you, Julie. Excellent quote. And I remember when you and I spoke on Automotive Insider sometime in 2020, mid-year, I think, when you started with me producing the mm-hmm. show, you you were the one who told me that the U.S. automotive industry had been shut down at that point for 47 days. I was not aware as an, as an outsider. And it was shocking that something that massive and that key to our lifestyle of transportation and moving around and having those keys in your pocket could have come to a grinding halt. So very interesting statistic. And I still quote you on that, Julie Freeman. Thank goodness it didn't last too much longer than that. Let's go to Otto Shell. Otto has quoted, I should have expected this, Otto. It's a song quote from Bachman Turner Overdrive, BTO, 1974, the band's only U.S. number one single. And here's the quote. Otto, I'm afraid I want to sing this, but I don't know if I dare because everybody will tune in. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's the best I'm going to do, Otto. Hope I didn't kill the show. Otto, how'd you find this one and what does it have to do with our talk? Go ahead. Now, first of all, <clears throat> a comment to uh, Thomas um, Doc. Yeah, As I understood to Doc Wright, he wants to have the key for the car because Autonomous is still not there. So uh, <laughs> he wants to go for some food. Um, 1974, um, there was a lot party time uh, when we grew up. And then uh, also we started to think about how can we move from our small country outside and and sing nothing yet at the end of the day is a love song. And uh, this is what what is now coming with us together. Yeah, as, as Marco said, he wants to get the keys always in his pocket. So he loves to drive. But uh, if we only have people who love to drive, we will never get autonomous. That, and when you also see what's going on in the current world with technologies uh, scaling like hell and, and everybody wants to go back in the uh, normal, yeah, something is going not okay. And that is why I took the song Ain't Sing Nothing Jet. Yeah? Either we love what's coming up in the future or we don't. If we don't love it, we will not change it. Thank you, Otto. Very interesting. I love song quotes as well as movie quotes. So I appreciate that. Let's go to Clint Crook. He has picked a quote from Nina Sayers slash Odette, played by Natalie Portman in the movie Black Swan, 20 American psychological horror film. This is from the last dance scene. Three words. I watched the clip. Fascinating. I was perfect. Right. She's dying on the floor. Go exactly. ahead. Go ahead. Clint. And so, yeah, so Bonnie is a great kind of metaphorical um, quote, right? So if you kind of think about a, a black swan being unpredictable and rare catastrophic, catastrophic event. Um, sounds familiar, maybe like a global pandemic. Um, and so that's the reason why I kind of brought that into our conversation today. Um, but also in the world of technology, it needs to, we need to, in a black swan usually uh, challenges us to change our business practices and social norms. And so that's why I want to bring that into the conversation today, because I think we are going through a black swan in ICE, AV, um, EV, uh, and the, the, the social norms are being deconstructed and rebuilt based on necessity and or need based on the market for, for those particular trans trans um, for those modal types if you will for automotive 
Thank you. Very insightful. Would somebody please define ICE in this context? Tom, you want to do that for me? Internal combustion engine. Thank you very much. And BEV? Battery electric vehicle. AV? Autonomous vehicle. Did we get them all? Did we get all the acronyms? Yes? Okay. Anything else comes up? You'll define it, please. Let's go to Marco has waited so patiently. Marco, I said that to a third guest on a panel about a year. I said, and Bob has been so patient and it was his turn. And he said, how the heck do you know I'm patient? I can't wait. I was just going to drop. Anyway, never mind. Here we go. Marco has selected a quote from the iconic I Love Lucy TV series. This is from an, oh yes, this is from a 1956 episode called Deep Sea Fishing. I Love Lucy, American sitcom, Wow. It aired from on CBS from October 15, 1951 to May 6, 1957, a total of 180 half-hour episodes spanning six seasons. Lucille Ball and her then-real-life husband, Desi Arnaz, starred along with Vivian Vance and William Farley. Yes, I've seen the reruns. I'm not going to admit to seeing the original. I, I was. Never mind. I just wasn't. <laughs> Yes, we won't go there. So here is the quote, and I'm setting this up, Marco, with what happened before the quote you sent me. So Fred Mertz, played the, the friends, the neighbors, played by William Frawley, says, you must have misunderstood. And Ricky Ricardo, played by Desi Arnaz, says, look, Fred, I may speak with an accent, but I don't listen with one. Marco, help me out here. What does this have to do with our topic? I love the quote. Go ahead, Marco. <laughs> So, so I will, let me tell you this. I, I grew up watching reruns of I Love Lucy in Venezuela in Spanish. And I have to tell you, it wasn't that funny. And of course, the whole thing with, you know, with Ricky, you know, saying things in Spanish. How, how do you translate that, right? So I come to the States and then I start watching the reruns in here. It's like I discovered a new show. It was, it was amazing. I love this quote because he related a little bit to me and actually trying to look at, you know, what, what is it in, uh, you know, what is this quote uh, uh, mean to me? You know, I, I didn't speak English when I came to the States as a, as a teenager. And, uh, and people would speak loud at me if I spoke with a heavy accent and I wanted to say, I'm not deaf, I understand. <laughs> and that's why I love this quote, but I want to relate it to our topic, okay? So, you know, uh, Otto, you know, um, mentioned, you know, a couple of things, Julie and Clint on pandemic and, uh, you know, on not everybody wanting to drive and so forth. So the way I look at it is we really have to listen to what's happening around us and understand and not be, don't take away the noise, take away the accent, right? And look at how this is going to impact the future, right? Autonomous vehicle, AV, right? There will be people that need to look into that and will enjoy doing that. There will be some of us that actually love to drive, right? And, and may have one or two cars parked in our garage and we hardly go anywhere. So, uh, so, and then, and then um, um, you know, uh, the public transportation and, uh, and the cities and the environment. So all of those things come into play. And that's why I'm saying we have to really learn how to listen. Wow. 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 I'm thinking of so many other topics I cover. And I think that is an iconic statement. I think you'll all agree that whatever we're doing, wherever we are in the world today, 
we need to learn to listen. Thank you, Marco. I appreciate that. Thank you all for the movie and song quotes. Loved it. I, I still can't get over the BTO quote. Otto, I appreciate that very much. And I hope my singing didn't upset anybody. Now is the part of the show everybody's been waiting for. This is the predictions lightning round. My guests have each sent me four predictions. Some will overlap. Some might be identical, but we're going to run through them and let's see how many we can cover. They all look like they're one sentence. I think a couple are longer. I'm going to read the predictions. Uh, whoever is, owns it, I will put you in speaker view and ask you to take about two minutes to explain it. So Tom and Donnie, Rep first and Tom's prediction number one, every light passenger vehicle, and I want you to explain that in case somebody doesn't know, every light passenger vehicle will be enabled for autonomous functionality between one and two levels. I don't know what that means. Tom, why don't you explain your prediction? Go ahead. Tom, unmute, unmute, unmute. My passenger is basically 6,000 pounds or less. So in, in most cases, everyone's vehicle that they're driving today, let it be a truck, an SUV, a, a car, et cetera. You start to look at what's out there today in, a, in the models, um, autonomous features like uh, predictive lane changing and the ability of rumble seats, as I, as I call them from, the, from some of our uh, OEMs, um, all of those things are abilities to keep the driver from being distracted or keep the driver focused on the road. Um, let it be um, crash collision, let it be backup cameras, let it be sensors, et cetera. And so you start to look at autonomous. Autonomous goes through five classifications and, and level one, level two, level three are, are these safety things. Um, it's gonna go all the way to a completely autonomous vehicle, which is basically your, your cargo, you're your a rider and you're not doing anything with the vehicle. but as you start to think about where things sit and, and what's going on, and back to, to Otto's point in regards to the change, you know, the, the, the ability to save lives on the road, the ability to have vehicles interact to each other and then take the, the pause, the time out, the, the ability to react quicker, uh, to take the humanity out of, out of the execution of the machine and let the machine work with, with machines around it, really where I see this happening. And, and, and most of those, um, options uh, functionality today are on the higher end vehicles. I, so my prediction is by 2025, those will be on all vehicles. So very similar to you know what was uh, the mandate for seatbelts. I know some of us grew up in in you know the station wagon and didn't have seatbelt, let alone a car seat for kids or or the car seat for kids was mom you know slapping uh, her arm across the front. Of you. you know those <laughs> things change the industry such, and these are going to be new functions coming out. And as you start to see that, you start to see them become mainstream. Uh, the technology, particularly the 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 suppliers who are bringing that technology and that innovation to the OEMs are really starting to drive what's going into the car. And I, I expect that uh, these will become mainstream and be in every vehicle and be required uh, within the next few years. Tom, the, the human seat belt, right? The bench yep. seat, who was it who said back in the days of the bench seat? Some, some of us grew up with bench seat cars and mom would put her hand out across the kids. Oh, the car in front just stopped short. Don't move and hold the kid back so they didn't go through the windshield. Yes, human seatbelts, they work really well and they were retractable. Then mom put her arm back, right? <laughs> that's right, Julie. That's, that's very fashionable, retractable seatbelt. Let's go to Julie's prediction number one. This is a personal one, but it also has a great impact. She says by 2025, Julie's car will be an EV electric vehicle and her household mm -hmm. will have a second car that is either an ICE gas engine or a hybrid. Julie, talk to me. Well, I think, you know, I'm very concerned about the impact on the planet and we'll, we can talk about 
how uh, the impact of EVs really is on the planet. But I think uh, from our end, um, my husband and I, um, we will have one EV for sure. Um, we uh, recently moved into a home that has solar power. So we will power that um, from solar power. So our intent is to minimize our impact uh, that way. Um, and then we'll need a second car um, for uh, the ICE engine or the gas engine uh, to be able to take those long trips that you want without perhaps um, needing to um, recharge um, and take the time out to do that. I think that there will still be concerns, and this is my point here, um, about um, long-term or long-range um, as well as charging, even though we're getting to quick charging much better, um, that infrastructure will still be uh, coming and being put into place. So um, we'll have both uh, within our, our family. And I think that's, um, I guess my prediction is that um, a lot of people will be moving in that direction, those that are buying new cars and, and uh, driving new cars. Thank you very much, Julie. Always good to have a personal perspective. Let's go to auto shell prediction number one. Otto says, we've been talking about this, people will still be driving in 2025. Not like the movies predicted that we would have given up our keys by then. Otto, how sure are you of that? Go ahead, auto shell. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure. So when the question is, what is about 2025? Not much will change. Yeah, and the reason why I'm saying this, uh, we talked about this in 2016 with all the predictions what we believed is coming. But again, uh, especially our industry is at the moment more looking for powertrains instead of what is new mobility. So do I still need a car in 2025? Whatever kind of car? Maybe because I miss flexibility in concepts. I simply need it because I want to be flexible. Uh, if I need it today, tomorrow, whenever, I don't know. But in my area, uh, there's no flexibility. There will not be any service in regard to uh, driving service. We are not talking mm -hmm. about really connected, yeah, so that I can pick and choose what I want. Yeah, Do I want a party car? Do I want a casual car? Do I want a business car? Uh, because the entire industry and the ecosystem wants to stay. We sell something which is called a car independent which powertrains we are talking. We can have several sessions if the powertrains we are talking are sustainable or not. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. I don't think so. Uh, but at the end of the day, the real discussion on what does mobility means is not started. And uh, I see the pictures of Turin, uh, sorry, of uh, Detroit. Mm -hmm. um, and Detroit is a car company town. Mm -hmm. But Detroit is not the first pilot for connected cities in sense of connect everything and when i last time was in detroit 2019 and we have connected the small tramp from downtown to midtown could have been all connected in sense of how do we do uh, mobility of the future and as long as i don't see this coming up that people really think connected my prediction is 2025 we still discuss cars and Marco can be happy to have the key in his uh, pocket. <laughs> Thank you, Otto. I by the way, by the way, just one comment, Marco. Yes. Uh, I, I had a session with Japanese automakers a couple of years ago, and I told him I'm driving since more than 30 years autonome. And they were all looking at me, and I told him, yeah, my partner is driving. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Veronica's. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I have to tell all of you, I discovered a new type of vehicle when I moved to this community where I am three years ago in Durham, North Carolina. It's something you can uh, store in your backyard on your back porch. You can put it in the back of the garage. doesn't take up a lot of room. You can fit two people in the front and two people in the back facing backwards. You can decorate it with flags and flowers. You can do whatever you want with it. And it's called a golf cart. Ah, Tom and Clint were looking like, what? I think Otto, Otto went on mute there for a second. Okay, let's go to Clint Crook. Prediction number one, Clint says, from ownership to usership, urban mobility trends are focused on multimodal journeys rather than using a car for every trip. Interesting permutation of what we've been talking about. Clint, go ahead. Yeah, so it, not, a, not a new thought, right? But it's a trend that is, uh, is kind of uh, growing in, in scale, if you will, right? So everybody's familiar with the traditional car ownership. It's what we've done when we saved our first, when we got our first job, we saved, the first thing that we need to do was save enough money to get a car, right? Because our parents were tired of us, of dropping us off at work and et cetera, and to practice and blah, 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 right? And so the ownership model, if you can kind of think of it as a big bubble, right? And so that has been there forever. The other ownerships uh, are, are taxis and maybe rentals, right, car rentals, et cetera, or maybe public transportation is maybe smaller circles um, underneath the ownership bubble, if you will. And kind of now what we're seeing here in 2021 is that kind of ownership bubble is being contracted a little bit and public transportation is being expanded. Um, uh, new advents of like, you know, Lime and Bird and um, some of the other things like Maven that GM has, has um, started. Um, and then the adoption of Cruise, right? So the, the, the legacy or the, 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 the innovation cycle is taking shape. And so the ownership piece you can kind of predict in the next five to 10 years that that ownership bubble will be smaller. And then the modal of transportation will be different, whether it'll be uh, ride uh, mm -hmm. sharing or ride hailing once we get past this pandemic and people will feel comfortable in, you know, uh, going to the grocery store together within a subdivision or something like that, or going to the airport if some are, several people are going uh, from a community, right? Um, in that time frame, And then also kind of autonomous fleet vehicles. What happens if, you know, food truck, you know, the DoorDashes and the Grubhubs of the world um, don't necessarily need to have drivers. They can have autonomous vehicles deliver your food. Um, those things, those bubbles will get bigger proportionately and the ownership will get smaller. Thank you. I can't wait for drones to drop my food on my front porch. I'm teasing, but it's not that far off in the future, I am sure. But I still love grocery shopping and cars, cars, cars. There is no real public transportation here where I live. You either have a vehicle or you walk somewhere. I'm not a walker and you have to. But what I learned here, interestingly enough, is that the average speed on I-40 and 540 is between 75 and 80 miles an hour on your average day. You can't have a car that can't do that speed or you will be literally left in the dust let's yes. go to marco's prediction number one he says av will grow exponentially in urban areas marco talk to me yeah sure so um i think some of the other panelists have already talked about this but i look at it in, in two ways right i think from a, a personal perspective and also from a public transportation perspective so i see that the people in the urban areas are just fascinated by the whole um, AV. 
And I have a lot of friends in the Bay Area that are, they just can't wait, you know, put, to put the, their hands into a bed. Um, that have AB, I won't name the, the brand. Uh, but, uh, but also we're looking at a really um, a growth uh, from a perspective of the public transportation. I think it would bring relief to a lot of the congestion that we have in the bigger urban areas. So think of companies like Sooks, you know, that, um, that can bring that out. Uh, and there's a lot of other companies as well that are looking into this initiative. But I think we're going to see a growth, um, a tremendous growth into that and then alleviate um, some of the issues that we have. And by the way, you know, this will be electric vehicles back mm-hmm. and, um, and it will help uh, uh, Julie and the rest of us on our quest to really better clean air. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let's go to round two of predictions. We've got plenty of time left in Radio Land. Let's see, we've got 20 minutes left. Let's see if we can get two more rounds of predictions. Tom Madonna, prediction number two, BEV will be over 20% of global sales of vehicles, and there will be a BEV option on every new model release. Tom, you're up. Sure. I think, you know, if you look at where we currently sit today, there's probably 50 models out there. In, uh, in BEV being sold in North America. Uh, current predictions are between five and 600 models by 25, which basically means every model introduced from this point forth would have a BEV alternative by the time we hit to 2025. Um, I say 20% because um, I think there's still gonna be some infrastructure lacking in certain countries and certain areas of, of the world that aren't gonna be able to take advantage of it. And I, I go back to Julie's point in regards to having both vehicles in regards to it. I also think that you know, the, the ability to charge quick is, going, is, is coming and coming quick also, as well as the infrastructure elongation. I was actually at a, at a hockey game, um, first of the season. Uh, Dallas is actually have live, you can actually see live hockey game. Uh, but ultimately I was talking to an individual who happened to be from the other city and uh, they were traveling back and forth between Dallas and, and Nashville, and and they were te- taking their uh, their their vehicle. Uh, I won't name which one, but it was adding five hours to their trip. On an average ten hour trip, it was actually adding five hours to the trip. So you had to plan for you know somewhere smack in the middle where you were basically taking a a long lunch or or going to shopping or or whatever to actually get to that. So kind of what's the infrastructure of level two at this point in time has to go to a level four to get basically a fast charge, 20 minute type of uh, fill up, very similar to being able to stop and get gas, get a, get a Coke, get a candy bar and go for them. Once that occurs, I think Bev takes off and takes off in a, in a grand way. So uh, at a minimum, 500 to, to 600 models uh, by 25. And uh, I think it's still only about 20% of the sales market um, as, as well, but uh, it, it's coming and it's coming quickly. Thank you, Tom. Very interesting. Julie, prediction number two, there will be fierce price wars on EVs in the U.S. Julie, you're up. All right. Uh, Well, Tom gave me the perfect lead-in, which is talking about all of these models that are going to be introduced over the next few years. Um, There will be so many models, and every company will be trying to get their models out into the marketplace um, and getting them sold there will be price wars um, because there's going to be some big winners and there's going to be a lot of losers. Um, A a lot of volume where there are less than 5,000 vehicles, a platform 
And uh, what you'll see is the auto companies wanting to sell those and putting lower prices or incentives on those vehicles to move them um, because they will need to move them. Um, and so, I, you know, stay tuned uh, as all these new vehicles come out that Tom was just talking about. Um, it's going to be fiercely competitive. Very interesting. I wonder if you can walk into a dealer or do online and say, I want a better deal. I remember, Julie, years ago, walking out of a dealership, there was a Cutlass Supreme Brome. I wanted. And the sales, it was used. I was a young divorcee. I had just so much money and the car was gorgeous. I had two kids. I needed to shuttle people around. This was in Eugene, Oregon, way before we were concerned mm -hmm. about environment and, and carbon footprint and all that. So nobody get mad at me. And I remember the dealer saying, this is the price, take it or leave it. And I said, leave it. And I walked out. And he followed me out across the park. I didn't know how I learned to bark. And he followed me out and he said, come back, we'll talk. I don't think he expected a 20-something, I was under 30 divorce, to say, sorry, chump, that's not going to work with my budget. And, and he actually, actually dealt. And it was, it was a very interesting time. So competition and price wars is interesting. Auto Shell, let's look at prediction number two. You say changes in powertrains do not mean changes in mobility trends people are still wanting to drive their cars daily whether it be ice or bev Otto, let's talk go ahead yeah it follows up what i said before so when you see at the moment what's going on in the industries and it's all industries when they talk about digitalization they are still on shop floor so i, I don't think that a lot of companies uh, and people understand what's possible in intelligent networks doing different kind of business models and when you then see in the automotive industries that we have still fully established channels like how to sell a car, yeah, where you can get your gasoline. And I'm looking to what Tom said or to July. Um, I'm not sure if uh, US uh, will be able to restructure their entire gas stations into electrification stations mm. because US will still frack, yeah. Uh, to get the oil out of the uh, of the thing here in in Germany, we are talking at the moment with projects like Gaia X. How do we stay independent from the global networks provided by the big hyperscalers? So the discussion is more at the moment: how is business going further than how what is really mobility? Yeah, and that is why uh, I strongly believe that um, there is still not enough appetite for all the stakeholders to think new because the, the current models uh, are still for them value add. No? Everybody after COVID hopes that people go to the shops and buy new cars. Yeah. On the other side, we discuss uh, what does it mean for the new work? Yeah. A lot of companies are already investigating. Can people stay on remote work? So if you go only one day per month, uh, per week uh, to your office, why should you have a car? So this means, from my perspective, this does not fit together what we are doing at the moment. Um, and I, I therefore still uh, uh, predict if we don't change, we will have another hype of discussion on CO2 or something else mm -hmm. because people will see as more electric cars we get on the market as more difficulties we have to get energy for this. Mm -hmm. There's a complete underestimation what does it mean at the moment. So from this point of view, um, again, uh, if we don't change radical thinking, what we really need, um, we will not be able to change. And when you know in the automotive industry, changing um, production line 
takes a couple of years. It does not go from one day to the other. So you need to consider minimum two or three generations. And then we are, in, if we are lucky, in 2035 or 2040, but certainly not in 2025. Thank you, Otto. Very interesting. Let me move to a slightly different topic on our topic of the future of cars, something with mobility that has a motor in it or something like that. Uh, prediction number two from Clint Crook. This is interesting. He says, automated trucks for food delivery and food trucks are gaining popularity for all demographics. Clint, take me through this. Yep, so I'll share two numbers for you as a grabber, right? So by 2025, the automated food truck delivery business is worth $14.3 billion in an industry in four years. So within four years, with the advent of, of, you know, accelerated by a global pandemic, people not wanting to leave their house, people want to be able to get their food into their, you know, into their homes, if you will, <clears throat> that will be brought to you by an autonomous vehicle or a, as they say, automated guided vehicles. And so what's needed for that? Obviously connectivity. So 5G is going to be a part of that. So if you can think of um, automated guide, automated guided vehicles through a telco. So maybe like a Vodafone in Germany or an AT&T here in, in the United States, those will be services enabled by 5G technology. Um, some of the other things that uh, I think is, uh, is, is interesting is that um, when you can think of uh, uh, a company with a market value of DoorDash or Grubhub, um, what's the next level for their customer experience and how are they going to differentiate themselves? Um, let's think of the Milton Keys experience that is happening in the UK, right? Currently there's uh, with Starship, Starship Technologies, you might remember these little kind of orb-like um, structures with a flag on it that has six wheels. Um, another new entry to the automated guided vehicles market um, delivering just kind of groceries and or food truck delivery type of meals to uh, an end consumer in the UK. So fascinating ideas. It's here. 5G will help enable it. Uh, and the demand that we've kind of seen through uh, DoorDash and uh, Grubhub and others uh, are already there. Thank you, Clint. Interesting. We just got a notice from the the uh, social director of my, I'm in a 55 plus community, I'll admit to that much. And they were trying to get a coffee truck to come to our clubhouse, which is mostly closed for a year for pandemic, uh, a coffee truck to come with coffee and bagels and Danish. I don't know who needs that, but they wanted, and they just sent a note out today, coffee truck canceled due to mechanical difficulties. Well, It'll be, I swear, just before we went on the air, I wasn't going to go there anyway, I'll bake, but but I thought mechanical difficulties, and they said it will, might take them days or a week to get the truck fixed, so yeah. we'll find another company with a reliable so truck. So look, look for those brands that I mentioned, right, to invest in innovative technologies to help separate themselves. You yeah. got it. Let's go to Marco's prediction number three, and then we're going to have time for one really, really fast, as they say in French, beat, beat prediction from each of you. Number three, Marco says, rural and developing countries will still rely on ICE. Go ahead, Marco. 
Yes, Bonnie. So, so actually, I think it was great. It comments from Tom and from auto in infrastructure, right? So that's really key. I mean, we can have all of the BEVs that we want, but if we don't have the infrastructure to, to, to be able to recharge them, it's going to be an issue. Let me give you an example. I now live in Las Vegas, but I used to live in Phoenix, and I would drive from Vegas um, from Phoenix to Vegas and back and forth. It's about a five hour drive. And a lot of the portion of the drive is not in, on an interstate. Mm -hmm. I had to time which gas stations I needed to fuel up on my car, gas stations. Imagine now putting that into rural areas where you're talking about charging stations. What does that really mean and how can they handle it? So when we talk about rural areas, we're going to be, we, we live in an extremely large country compared to many other countries in the world. How do we manage that? And in developing countries, you know, it's going to be the same issue. Maybe in their urban areas, they will be able to adopt this, but as they start getting out, it's, it's going to take a long time for this to happen. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Let's go back to gallery view. I think we have time for one quick prediction from each of you. See if we can get to the third one from each. 60 seconds each. I know you have a lot to say, but let's just tease the audience with these. Tom Madonna, number three, you say AV, driven and flown, will be options in the top 20 populated cities in North America and the top 100 populated cities globally. Tom, 60 seconds. Quick, what do you got? I think, uh, you know, uh, San Francisco with Zook is, is there. You look at uh, UK and New York, it's coming. I think that uh, the, the AV uh, situation is going to, you know, like it's already been stated by Marco and others, is, all, is coming and it's going to be there. So the guided vehicle, the, the autonomous vehicle. But I, I think the, the piece here is flown. Uh, there's actually been two vehicles that have been approved and uh, are now in production. Uh, both vehicles, one in Europe and one in North America. So... I don't think it's just going to be taxis. I think there's going to be uh, an ability for uh, a two-person, four-person, flown guided uh, vehicle. At this point in time, uh, I guarantee you, uh, getting uh, as the as the fly crow, you know, the crow flies is uh, going to be a lot faster than than the uh, infrastructure of the roads. So I think that's coming, and that's going to be here uh, to stay for a while. Thank you very much, Julie. Let's look at prediction number three. Most, if not all, new vehicles will have an abundance of safety features, including lane keeping auto cruise control and more. Julie, 60 seconds, tell me. Well, this one um, lines right up with what Tom started with, which is you're gonna see these safety features, um, if not uh, required, certainly on most vehicles by 2025. And uh, I think as people uh, better understand them and, and um, adopt using them, they're going to demand them on their vehicles because they really do help uh, with the driving strain. Um, so I think we'll see you. Thank you very much. Otto Shell, prediction number four, younger generations, millennials. Did you know that millennials are in their mid to late thirties already, Otto? Boy, does time fly. They're running companies. They're senior managers. They're deciding who gets to work and salaries and all that good stuff. Younger generations have changed their minds about car ownership over the last year. So expect new customer experiences to affect mobility and functionality. Otto, 60 seconds. Talk to me. I don't forget that there will be every new uh, generations now. So that That's means right. the generation which is born today expect another world. That means that we have to uh, go further. That's what I said before, no? to be ready in 35 or 40 
is what the new generation which is born today expects yeah they expect the way that they can handle their way different yeah um, they may not do a driver license because they have a license fee yeah um, and uh, to to marco's point uh, we are always thinking in our car yeah we, why do we is it so difficult to get uh, from one station to another to charge why not changing the car at the charge station or like Shayagasi tried, changing the battery. No? Um, so that means we will have complete new thinking coming up uh, to stay connected and autonome uh, in all our life. Yeah, us as a person with a, with a kind of, uh, let's say, a sensor, uh, cars in a sensor, cities in a sensor. And, and we have to get this in mind because the change will take this time minimum to get it executed. Thank you, Otto. Let's quickly go to Clint, 60 seconds. OE partnerships will continue to refine and bring value faster to AV, EV, and brands. Cadillac dealer buyout example will be forced to exist or maybe not to embrace AV or EV goals. 60 seconds, Clint, we're tight. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. Uh, just a, a, a very innovative and thought-provoking idea, right? So in, in, uh, that Cadillac or GM is bringing to the Cadillac dealers. They're literally forcing them to pay up to a quarter of a million dollars to have charging stations and, and refit their dealerships to, to accept EVs into their, into the dealership and the ecosystem, or they're offering them, you know, up to $500,000 to get out of the Cadillac brand ownership. Um, so uh, pay up or get out. Um, I think it's a great, uh, interesting um, trend that I think maybe other OEs will, will adopt. Thank you very much. And the last prediction, the last word, not the last word, I get the last word. Marco, prediction number four, manual cars will become extinct. Maybe we should have started the show with this one. Marco, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that I think that's the trend. We already were seeing that trend with ICE. And uh, obviously now with autonomous vehicles and BEV, that's just, it is going to die. The, 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 the younger generation is really not that interested in, in even driving that much. So, uh, so, we're seeing, so we're seeing that it will probably be dead. Uh, one thing, Bunny, really quick. This is for Tom. I think we will, can you see it? This is yes. the Jetsons. This is what we're going to see pretty soon, Tom. <laughs> Thank you. I want to say thank you, Tom Madonna. You, I, I contacted you about a month and a half ago and said, let's put a panel together. And you brought me Otto and you brought me somebody from Accenture who brought us Clint. And then you brought me Marco and I brought in Julie. And this was a collaborative effort. I can't thank the five of you enough. I think you just changed the whole model for my show, Technology Revolution. We call it Tech Rev. I think I'm going to do five-person panels. This was so fast and so fun. Everybody raise their hand if you enjoyed yourself. I want to compliment all of you for bringing your thought leadership, bringing your energy and your passion for automotive. I have learned a lot. I hope our audience on LinkedIn and Facebook, yes, this is like TV now, right? We're, we're on live streaming TV, but it's radio and we're on the Voice America Business Channel. So thank you to Aaron Keller, my intrepid engineer. He calls himself my sidekick and he's earned it, Tom. You know how long he's been working with me. And again, thank you to all of you. Tom, Madonna, you rock. Auto Shell, so great to reconnect with you. Marco Galarza, pleasure to meet you. Julie Freem, always wonderful. And I love working with your organization. Clint Crook, thank you so much for joining us and happy to reconnect with you. And I'll tell you what I always say on my SAP Game Changer show. I get up close to the mic and I say, be a game changer today. Fasten your seatbelt. 
my car is getting two and a half months to the gallon. How's yours doing? And on that <laughs> note, I'll just say everybody wave and thank you. Bye-bye to LinkedIn. Bye-bye to Facebook. Bye-bye to Voice America. We'll be back. And you're all coming back later in the year. I'm reinviting you for part two of the future of cars because we have so much more to say. New quotes, couple of new predictions, and we're in. Everybody wave. Bonnie D. Graham, bye-bye. Remember, somebody says the future's already here. That's not true. That was yesterday's future. We're all going to make today's future, and it's going to be a better one no matter what. Let's drive into the future. Vroom. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh